Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hello, hello, hello. How's Pete doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Can't wait to talk about our our uh, topic today. Yeah, yeah. What? Well, off the top, you want to give us a title? Yeah, obedience, the, title? the kiss, and the sword. It, that's a C.S. Lewis novel, right? It sounds like it, right? It does. It sounds like it. <laughs> I love. No, I didn't. Did but you I think like of it. it while you were sitting in a pub in England. I was. We were going as we we're going through the notes or outline. I was like, okay, yeah. what is it talking about? We're talking about obedience. Oh, there's a kiss involved. Okay, then there's the sword. So wow, we're going to be in John Eight. chapter eighteen. Yeah. So if you're sitting down, getting ready to, I wonder how many people listen to the podcast with their Bibles open. Cause I that would be really cool. I'm sure there's a few, but it would be so much better if they were able to read alongside yeah. of us and then kind of like glance over at your Bible as when we're talking about a certain verse or talking about a topic, you can actually read it as we're talking. That about would it. be really cool. Yeah. It would, but you know. Yeah. But most people are probably like me. They listen to podcasts when they're driving or, or they're walking, walking or something. Yeah. yeah. That's how I do it. That's how it so. is. But if you happen to be sitting and watching this on YouTube, then you could certainly open up your Bibles to chapter John chapter 18 and, yep. and uh, you'll be, you just follow along. Yeah. Well, Pete, I am so excited. Yeah. You know I'm why? excited for you. <laughs> my wife and my daughter and I are getting ready to do a bucket list item. We're going to go on an Alaska cruise next week. And uh, we're very, very excited. We fly to Seattle Sunday morning get on the boat uh, Monday morning, spend a week in Alaska and come back home. I just, I mean, because Christine and I have done that and I'm telling you what it was, the the beauty, the majesty. I mean, it's just insane. I hope everybody isn't overselling it. Oh, everybody I talk to is like, no. it's the greatest thing ever. No. Like, okay. So my ex, I gotta be honest, my expectations for this trip are really high. <laughs> and they should be. I mean, again, it is. I mean, you've seen pictures, yeah. right? And the pictures yeah. you've seen were they're stunning. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So I mean, you know it's gonna be nice. And then the wildlife that you'll probably see. I mean, I was trying to share with you. I know you'll see otters from your balcony because you we've seen the otters. You'll probably see a bear here and there. I hope so. That'd be um cool. I don't know if we saw too many elks. We did maybe orcas. Maybe. See some orcas? Well, yeah, we saw that, but that was when we were in the bay, and then we saw whales that were actually breaching they jumped um there and then a lot of eagles eagles were everywhere Big, eagles were bigger there than they are here in florida so. do they have like eat, uh, elk and moose and stuff like that like you see in like yellowstone yeah. or i think the bigger ones can probably eat the baby ones i guess yeah hmm. i mean they're big i mean they're their pollens are Oh, right. No, 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 no. I mean, well, I see elk and stuff. Not. I didn't. I don't remember if we saw it. I know they're there. I know they have the caribou. I believe or caribou. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Santa's reindeer are there. Yeah. No, we're not going that far north. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe you will. Who knows? I know. I. I think we saw bear by the by the shore. We saw um, a lot of eagles. We saw a lot of otters, and I'm sure there's elk. I just don't remember. So we're going to uh, we're going to Sitka, yeah, to Juneau, Ketchikan, yeah, and Victoria, Canada. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, like you know, the first few days it's dropped, and you have any recommendations of things to do, yeah, would you put in the comments so it. we can check it out? Yeah, that's help cool. us out. So we we've only planned one excursion. Yeah, it's like the greatest so, of all. But yeah, it's like the big bucket list. So we're yeah. getting the helicopter ride up to the glacier in Juneau. 
Um, and then I think we're going to do like the lumberjack show in Ketchikan. I think yeah, that's, that's kind of like, right, in our, did, that. did you, was it, yeah, I, I hear good things. That, yeah. that, that's fun. Yeah. Brianna, Brianna, we remember talking to Brianna says, would you like to marry a lumberjack like that? And talking <laughs> about that. So that's really all we have planned. We've got the, you know, so openings on our schedule. So if you think of something that, you know, is a must see in what is it? What is it? Well, let me ask you this. Okay. So we talked about this in the prep. So what do you, what would be your goal for, for going to, uh, Alaska. What great is, question. Yeah. What is it? Eat lots of great food. Right. Uh, hang out, make some memories with my family. Right. Um, see some amazing scenery. Yeah. And basically just feed the flesh. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's the goal. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, truthfully, I mean, this is the fun part is <laughs> we talked about this because most of the time in my, in our past, and you and I have been slowly being transformed, right. By the renewing yeah. of our mind. But in the past, or normally when you travel, especially like this, like an Alaskan cruise, the mindset is, man, I, we're going on a cruise. We're going to be taken care of. We're going to have to eat. We're going to have amazing food. We're going to have amazing scenery. And we don't have to do nothing. We're going to relax. And it's just, it's always about ourselves. I was just going to say, it's really easy to be selfish. It is. And but when we book it, that's usually what happens. We did a show about how to travel yeah. in, with the right mindset. Yeah. And thanks for the reminder, because I need to be focused on, look, this isn't just about me. And in fact, it's not about me at all, but let's look. And the byproduct is if I do it the right way, we're going to enjoy so much more, it's, but keep our eyes open for how we can point people to God. But, and, and then even in the beauty, Pete, you, we can see our creator in all of this. Yeah. If we're looking for him and yeah. we stop being selfish. Yeah. So, well, I was just saying it's, it's exciting because I mean, this is the way that a Christian we should be so excited that God has allowed you to be able to do this. Wow. I mean, unbelievable that you get to go to Alaska. Yeah, you get to be a part of uh, uh, his creation in, in such a special way. And it's, it's, so that is exciting, but it's, it's never about to please yourself. It's if God is allowing us to do something, it's we're walking, we're spirit agents, right? We're, we're, we're to walk in the spirit. We're to see things from God's eyes, but God is going to allow you to be able to see the people that are serving you on the ship from God's eyes. You're going to bless them. You're going to love them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to speak life into them. You're going to be able to see God's creation and you're going to be able to worship him in real time and seeing all that he has done. You're going to be able to spend time with your family and love on people and pray for people that are in need there. You're going to constantly walking in the spirit and God is putting you in this position so that he is glorified. How exciting is that? We get to be ambassadors for the kingdom. That's it. It's a, it's a different mindset. It's, it's not, you're not going to Alaska to fulfill your bucket list. You're going to Alaska to fulfill the bucket list of Christ that Christ has for you. And you know what? I, I I've discovered there's a there's a red flag. If you're if you're not doing this the right way, there's a red flag that goes off. When something doesn't go right, you get upset. You're like, wait, I deserve this. Yeah. And as soon as I you start all thinking, this money, I've done all of this. As soon as you start thinking that way, you know you're in the wrong mindset. <laughs> That's you're, it. You're you're not traveling the right way. Right. Did it. you steal that? Every circumstance is an opportunity to bring glory. And we know that when we travel, circumstances happen. Always. But again, it God is in charge. God is in control. He is always active. He is always there. And so are we seeing things from his eyes? And I just pray that when people travel, and this is kind of our message to all of us, is, is both of us have struggled with it. And so we're not, we're saying, hey, we're experts in this. No, we're still learning. We're still figuring this out. 
but we're getting that how God wants us to travel. We're learning our own self and we're reminding each other like right now. Yep. And we're reminding you, the listeners right now. Summer's coming. Lots of people are going out on trips, right? Don't do not plan your, your trips. Do not plan it with yourself in mind. Look at it from God's eyes. God, is this what you desire for us? God wants to bless us. God wants you to go and travel. He wants you to be a part of that, but he wants you to do it so that he is glorified. He wants you to do it so that you see things from his eyes. And man, I'm telling you, mm. I've, you, you've probably done this. I know for my fact, your trip is a thousand times greater. I mean, the trip that we just went to Greece and to Rome, we came back and I'm telling you the testimonies that came from that because we win in Jesus name. And who are you worshiping? That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yourself or you're worshiping God. That's right. All right. That's, that was good. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to hear your but, stories too. Thanks for the reminder. That's yeah. awesome. Get me in the right mindset before I. But I mean, just head it's, across it's, the country. A, it's a challenge because force yourself to spend devotion time with him. Force yourself to be quiet with him when you're, when you're traveling each day and then force yourself to say, no, God, this is about you and see things from his eyes. And I can't wait to hear the spiritual side not just the physical side of what you've seen and experienced and felt, but the spiritual side of what God does in and through you as you go on this. Be good. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. That'll be awesome. All right. Well, let's keep going. Let's pray. And yeah, let me open us up in prayer and then we'll dive into the book of John chapter 18. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for the reminder about how we should not just travel, Lord, but live every day. Whether we're going to work, whether we're going to school, whether we're going to the grocery store or we're traveling to Alaska, Lord, we should do it with a mission mindset, Lord, that uh, we're just ambassadors for you. And uh, just help us and thank you for the reminder. Help, help us do that, Lord. Lord, we ask you to just bless the show. Bless our listeners. Thank you for them. Thank you that they're taking the time out of their day to listen to this. And Lord, I just prom- I just hope that they would be blessed uh, by by what Pete and I are going to dive into today. And more importantly, Lord, that they'd be blessed by hearing your word and and just hearing um, the story, this kind of like transition point here that we're going to talk about yeah. in, in the book of John. And I just pray that the, it would just bless our listeners as this blessed Pete and I as we prepared for this, Lord. So we give you now this show in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be uh, in John chapter 18. We're going to cover verses 1 through 10. Uh, I believe this is episode 134. And um, it. yeah, so we're calling it the obedience, the kiss, and the sword. I love it. All right. I, it's such so C.S. Lewis right there. It is. I All right. It. Our last show, episode 133, was titled The Greatest Prayer Ever Recorded. This uh-huh. was John 17. Powerful, powerful show. Yes. In fact, if you haven't listened to it yet, you might want to back up. And because it really sets the the stage for for chapter eighteen, it was all three of us were. De- I mean, Bear is in the studio, yes. and I was humbled, and we, I think we all were. I think it was. I mean, just the prep in that show, and then afterwards, it was a very deep, uh, moving show. Yeah, well, it's because we unpacked Jesus's prayer. That's I mean, it. It was, was kind of this like, is like the greatest yeah. prayer of all time, yeah. which is why it was yeah. we kind of titled it that. But you know, Jesus was praying for his disciples. He was praying for the church. He was praying for us, which yeah. is. It just blows me away. And I think maybe that's why it was so humbling yeah. as we as we prepared for that. But today, we're going to transition from Jesus's private ministry with his disciples to a public drama of redemption. <laughs> we are now in the latter hours of Jesus's earthly ministry. And in today's reading, we will see a contrast between man doing his worst while God does his finest mm. work. Mm. This must have been what Paul was thinking about when he wrote Romans 5.20. But when sin abounds, 
grace abounds even more. Mm. All right, so before we begin reading our section today, let's create the scene for you. Let's kind of just paint a picture for you, set the scene. We are located, or we aren't, but the, the, the story, <laughs> the story is. Yeah. is located on the east side of Jerusalem in the Kindron Valley between the city wall and the Mount of Olives. The Garden of Gethsemane is Gethsemane. I always struggle on that. The Garden of Gethsemane is on the western slope of Olivet. Yeah. We recognize this location because Jesus was Jesus frequently visited it, and uh, he would take his disciples there. They would rest there, reflect, and pray. Jerusalem at this moment was teeming with Passover pilgrims. In other words, the city was packed, guys. Yes. And Jesus needed and wanted some time to get away from yeah. the crowds and go to a quiet spot. More importantly, he knew Jesus would come for him, and he was prepared for what was about to happen. I mean, imagine when we get stretched in our walk, right? And there's, things are hard. There's a lot of circumstances. There's problems. There's issues. The last thing you want to be around is a bunch of people. Right. I mean, it's like, you're like, ah, right. This is, it's like that. So Jesus knows his time is, is near here. And so he's, he's getting away. He wants to spend, that's why he told his disciples, Hey, watch and pray. It's time to pray. The time is now there's a lot going on and I need to be with my father. And that's kind of where we got a glimpse into John 17, part of that prayer. I mean, so powerful as he's just communicating with the father. So today is, is we're going to kind of now detail uh, what took place as he got away to pray. So that's kind of it. All right. All right. Well, let's start with one verse. Yeah, verse one. Yeah, let's just do one. When Jesus had spoken these words, again, let's back up to chapter 17. So yeah. he had just just went over this prayer. So that's what, the, that's what they're talking about here. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kindron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. So Let's just unpack that one verse. So Genesis 2.8 tells us that human history began in a garden, the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah. The first sin of man was committed in that garden. Yep. The first Adam disobeyed God and was cast out of the garden. Yep. But the last Adam, Jesus, see 1 Corinthians 15.45, was obedient as he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, it's like, it's funny how gardens keep coming up, right? So there's this garden, garden. And then we're going to talk about a little bit, but David, as in 2 Samuel, I think it's chapter 15, went crossed over the Kidron when Absalom was coming through it. And it's kind of significant. We'll kind of get into that. But in a garden, the first Adam brought sin and death to mankind. But Jesus, the second Adam, and we know that by the book of Romans, because it goes into that, um, and also First Corinthians, by his obedience brought righteousness and life to all who trust him. As Paul wrote in Philippians 2.8, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So we got to remember what's happening here, right? The world is at stake, okay? Jesus lived the perfect holy life. It's time for him to be the living sacrifice. It's time for him to die. He has to be sacrificed. The spilling is in the blood. There's no, I mean, there's no life, but without the spilling of the blood. And, and Jesus knows that he is, the, he is the, the last act in order for the whole world to come to know who he is, to have relationship with him. So without him dying and rising in on the cross, there was no hope. So that's what's happening. So Jesus knows that um, the suffering that's going to happen, the, the the sacrifice of himself is not going to be easy. It's like when we go into 
like a trial or a tribulation or persecution or something that's happening in our own life. We're living holy, we're living righteously, but we know there's pain in front of us. We know that it's coming. We don't like it. We're going to be saying the same thing that Jesus says, Lord, let this cup pass from us. But, but at the same time, if we are uh, like at peace with God and totally surrendered to the Lord in fellowship and intimate with the Lord, we trust the Father and we know that his plan is perfect. We know that he's going to work it out. Jesus is wrestling with that. He was obedient to the death. He was obedient no matter what. And God is asking us to be obedient no matter what, because there's a greater plan. There's a greater purpose than what we see sometimes. And sometimes God prepares us ahead of time. Sometimes God will put something in your heart and say, hey, listen, son, you know, like he told Paul, remember he told Paul, say, hey, you're going to suffer a lot for my namesake. You're going to go to rulers and you're going to go to uh, to to the leaders and, and to everybody, but you're going to suffer a lot. And God sometimes shares that with us. God might share with you ahead of time, you're going to go through this, or this is what's going to happen. And, and Satan's going to try to get you off. Satan tried to deceive Satan. I mean, God, remember, he tried to deceive him. He tried to get him off. But Jesus says, no matter what, he's going to go through with the Father's will. And the ultimate sacrifice led to all of us having eternal life, Amen. having the opportunity to have eternal life. And so he took back the title deed. He, the, the Satan, the God of the world was eliminated. Victory over the world was taking place. Now the whole world is grafted in or comes in to, as, a, as an Israelites, we are now adopted. We're now, as a Gentile, as a person, we are now have an opportunity because of Jesus. That doesn't happen if he doesn't go through this. So you're saying this is a big deal. This is a ginormous deal. So what, what, I mean, what, I mean, put yourself in this situation. He's sitting there, he's praying to the father. It's his last rites basically. And he knows that pain and suffering is coming. He's like, oh boy, that's, I mean, game on basically. It is, it is what it is, that's but he good. knows that he Picture has yourself to. there. Yeah. And if you can't, Take the trip with us next year, and you'll be able to yeah, picture I'm yourself kidding. there. We're going there in June of next year. If you guys are listening to this, sign up. You can still register. It's not too late. Join us for our Footsteps to Paul. Go to the riotpodcast.com, and you can find out more. Right. Awesome. So back to the garden. Right. History will one day end in another garden, Pete. The heavenly city that John describes in Revelations 21 and 22. Can't wait. In that garden, there will be no more death, no more curse. The river of water, uh, the river of the water of life will flow cease how's it ceaselessly man i can't yeah. speak today and the tree of life will produce bountiful fruit it yeah. sounds like the garden of eden all over again yeah and it's there's a tree of life in the end there's a tree of life at the beginning and there's a tree of life again like full circle yeah so imagine so when we go into the garden of eden we have the opportunity to to have fellowship with the Father. We have intimacy with the Father. We can bask with the Father. We can eat anything. God takes care of everything. God's fulfillment. But when we took the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we chose to be our own God. We chose to take authority. We chose to fix everything. We chose to do everything. Mm -hmm. In the end, the final garden, it's the same thing. Once we're with God, we're there for all eternity. We, because of Jesus, we now have the tree of life again. We are now, God takes care of everything. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow, none of that. But Jesus knows that, but he has to, he has to fulfill his part here. And he does it, but, and we know he does that. But then Revelations 21 and 22 says, now that Jesus has done that, because we know we're, there's going to be another garden. And that garden is, we're going to be having fellowship just like we did from the very beginning. So, that, that's kind of cool that God's already shared with us the end of the story. I love it. I mean, we get it. We I mean, the it. disciples didn't have that, that luxury. You know, we have that luxury that they, they didn't have. Yep. Like we've already seen, we've already seen the end. 
Yeah, Which, like, that's kind of so, cool. So Eden was the garden of disobedience and sin. Gethsemane was the garden of obedience and submission. And heaven shall be the eternal garden of delight and satisfaction to the glory of God. That's good. Yeah. So there's there's three, three different parts. gardens. That's it. All right. All right. The name Gethsemane, again, yeah. <laughs> means oil press. So even today, there are ancient olive trees in Gethsemane, though certainly not the ones that were there during Jesus' time. Well, I don't know. When I was there, some of them were like, these trees could be a couple thousand well, years old. But there's so no- olive, you know, olive trees don't, well, no trees actually die of old age. Did you know that? Trees do not die of old age? No, I didn't know that. But I know that um, they say that some are like a couple thousand years and they're saying that this was the time of, of, of Jesus' time. Yeah. Um, can they know that for sure? No. That's the reason why I, I was thinking. I mean, we can't to, know for sure. You'd have to cut it and count the rings. Oh, wait. That I mean, they're saying that this one's been here a long time, even though this area has been bombed yeah. and, and all of the, all these people took over. No way, you no know, way. We, have, we don't know. And so that's why I'm kind of thinking we don't know. But the olives would be picked and put into the press for their oil. We know that. And what a picture of suffering, right? So, you know, the Gethsemane is an oil press. I mean, that's what it means, yeah. you know, and there's ancient olive trees. And so we know Jesus was around ancient olive trees and we know what olives are. They're pressed they're for their oil, right? So we get that. So this is kind of a picture that's going on, picture of suffering. So Jesus would go through the oil press and the wine press, Isaiah 63, 3 says, and taste our judgment for us. Wow. And so he basically, he's the oil. He gets pressed, he gets persecuted, he gets you know, taken out in the oil, the, what comes out of that is what does oil do? It's a light, right? It bring, lets the lights uh, shine. It's there's, there's purities in it. It helps with healings. It helps with all kinds of things. So what a picture it is. The I mean, Bible's full of these just, oh, just beautiful pictures. If you just dig into it and just don't gloss I over mean, it. I, we might be, we're obviously stretching it a little bit and we're adding to this a little bit, but I mean, I don't think there's a coincidence here. I think that, I mean, we can look at that. I think that God is okay with that, you know, for us to see that from that perspective. I mean, he is being pretty much suffering and getting crushed like an olive. All right. Well, Well, you guys remember, we're still doing just one verse. Yeah, we're still still unpacking (laughs) just one verse here. So we're trying to give context to Gethsemane, Kidron Valley, and everything else. This is not going to be an 18-hour podcast, I promise you. All right. Uh, Here's another picture. The Brook Kidron is also significant. The name means dusky or gloomy, referring to the dark waters that were often stained by the blood from the temple sacrifice. That's just crazy. Yeah, so again, draw that picture. So you haven't been there, right? The temple's up high. They would do the sacrifices. The blood's got to flow somewhere, right? That's where it flows. And there's where it flows down in the and river. So Jesus is crossing over. So Jesus and his disciples were about to go through some dark waters, right? And Jesus would experience the wrath of God. The Kidron also had historical significance for King David crossed the Kidron and he was rejected by his nation and betrayed by his son Absalom, 2 Samuel 15. Just like how Jesus was rejected by his people and betrayed by his own disciple, Judas. So again, it's, are we stretching a little bit by bringing that? Maybe, but it's pretty significant. I mean, it did happen. We know that the Messiah came through the line of David. We know that David was promised by God that, hey, the Messiah is coming through you. So here's David crossing the Kidron as he's running from Absalom, right? His son's betraying him. Judas technically was kind of his son, but he really wasn't. But he was still part of his ministry for three years. We talked about, I think last week, talking about here he is walking with him the whole time and yeah. he never knew the Lord, right? And we might even talk about it here. Actually, we're going to talk about it here. More. We are, we are. But so, but I mean, 
Who knows? Maybe so if you say there. stretch, I say we're painting a picture. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, just no, that's trying, good. trying to give you a, just maybe a little better perspective. I mean, it's it's we it, normally when you you study one chapter, one verse in a chapter, you don't look at these details. So we're looking at one verse here in chapter 18, and we're looking at the Kindra Valley. We're looking at the Gethsemane. We're looking at what's taking place yeah. to try to give us a little context. So as we're now, as we're going to go and move deeper, let's see what happens. All right. All right. Well, you brought up Judas. So let's, let's continue reading a little bit more about Judas. Starting in verse 2, it says, Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns, with torches, and with weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Jesus, Judas, what does Jesus know? Yeah. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Oh my gosh. I can't Can wait to take, talk about like that. Like the picture, right? We are. We'll, we'll talk about it. So we asked them again, who do you seek? <laughs> like, get up here. Why are you here yeah, again? Dust right? yourself off. Right? Let me ask you and again. they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. So that's verses two through nine. So Judas had lived with Jesus for probably three years and had listened to him teach and yet knew very little about Jesus. We know this because why would he bring a company of temple guards armed with swords and clubs and lanterns to arrest Jesus. If he knew him, he would have known none of these would have stopped or could have stopped Jesus. Yeah, because, I mean, you're sitting with Jesus and you see the miracles, you see the 5,000 fed, he's walking on water, um, you know, he, Nazareth was dead, Lazarus was dead and now he's living. I mean, he sees, he's seen all of these miracles, the lame of walking, the blind now see. What? There's no power. It's Listen, almost comical in it a is. sad way. It makes it. no sense. Yeah. But Jesus, Judas spent all that time with Jesus, but never knew him. How many people do we know today that go that that go to church faithfully, but don't actually know oh. God? If Judas knew him intimately, he would have known that Jesus was the Lamb of God, and he he would have meekly submitted himself over to God's perfect will. If he knew him, and he would have been as his other disciples were in all of him, because. To be in God's presence, you cannot not be changed. You cannot not be in awe of him. Remember Isaiah 6, we talk about it all the time, but Isaiah yep. going up into the throne room and he's I like, my that. lips are undone, right? I'm Woe is me, basically. That's what happens when we're in God's presence. When we're there day in and day out as his disciples were, you are changed. You were completely mm -hmm. transformed. And Judas was there, but he wasn't changed. He never surrendered his heart. He never fully gave it to the Lord. He still thought that he can control the situation at that moment. Now, we're going to talk about it. He, he did try to repent. He was remorseful, but he never truly ever, ever surrendered his, law, uh, his heart like Peter did. The difference between knowing who Jesus is and knowing Jesus. Totally different. Yeah. Totally different. It's like I, we talked about a fan or a follower, yeah. right? Yeah. A fan knows a lot about the Michael Jordan, but a follower knows Michael Jordan very close. He knows what type of... Cuban cigar he likes. He knows whatever, right? <laughs> what he really shoots on the golf course. <laughs> yeah, he knows the, knows the truth. All right. All right. In verse six, it says, 
that when Jesus answered, I am he, the soldiers fell back on the ground. Pete, why do you think this happened? I love that. I mean, it's just like, it was just such an awesome thing that God allowed here. But it's a great question. My guess is that they were struck by his I am statement. It was an affirmation to his deity. I mean, also maybe to let us know it was obvious that he was in control. The Jewish leaders tried to arrest him many times without any success. So this time it was like he was letting them know, I'm willingly laying down my own life, but there's there's absolutely no way, there's nothing you can really do to get me uh, to, to overthrow me. I'm sure many of the witnesses that that moment surrendered their life afterwards. So again, everything that Jesus does, it's there's a purpose behind it. And we sometimes don't see it. But there could have been a soldier there that had a major ministry for Jesus later on. Yeah. And, and he witnessed this. He saw this. And he, and he realized, like, he might have been there during the 3,000 at, you know, when, at Pentecost when Peter was teaching. You never know who was around. But I know that God used this for his glory. And, but more than anything else, I think it was just basically telling them in a, in a joking way, you guys have no power over me. I, I just speak of worth. I am he, boom, and you guys all fall. <laughs> you have no power. I'm going to give you my life willfully. And I think it just makes it even more significant. I think I had to catch them off guard too. Yeah, a little they, bit. They had to be going in there think, expecting a battle, you know, expect, you know, at least a fight, right? Yeah. And, they know, and then, boom, just like, like he's not even hiding. He's not confronting them with, the, with weapons or anything. Boom. But, uh, you know, but the Jews certainly would have known when he says, I am, I mean, he's basically saying, hey, I'm God, right? I've experienced something like this in my own life. And I'm just going to, you know, Jesus tells, tells us that he went away to the Father so that he could send the Holy Spirit and that we're going to be able to do greater works than he. I've been in a situation where I was broken and humble before the Lord. I was not operating in my flesh at this moment. I might have been, but I don't know. But I remember the power that came from the words that I spoke when I spoke in the name of Jesus. And the people receiving it felt that, and they were moved and taken back. The power of God is real, and, and God's power can be real in your own life if we allow the Spirit of God to take over. And, and many of us, because of our flesh and because we're, we're going on vacation to feed our flesh and not seeing it from God's perspective, do not take with us that power that God gives us. And so, again, why does he give that power? It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with bringing him glory. There was a purpose why he allowed this to happen. Yeah. And I know that, uh, yeah, there we go. That's the answer. Well, that could be your first question when you get to heaven, if you want to, if you want to know. Yeah. You probably got more pressing questions. I'm but sure. That can be, make, maybe it'll make the list. Yeah. All right. So, Judas's kiss, yeah. which was given repeatedly to Jesus, was certainly one of the with a basis acts of treachery ever recorded. Yeah, the foundational acts, basis acts, same difference. Okay. Yeah. So why is that? Um, I, agree. I I think that it's, in that day, a kiss would have been a sign of affection and devotion. I know that. So it was a big deal, right? Today, we don't really kiss as much. Um, I think we should. I like the kissing on the cheek. I think the Italians do that and some other people. Yeah, I think a lot that's, of cultures still do it. I think it's endearing. I think a lot of Latin American countries do that too. I know like so. Italians do, but I think, yeah, I think it's endearing. I think for- Chileans do. Yeah. Like if we just touch a cheek, we don't have to like lay a wet one on each other, but- Yeah, that's kind of gross. A holy well, maybe kiss. Maybe it's all stopped with COVID. I'm not sure. Yeah. But members of a family kissed each other in a meeting or in parting- but Judas was not a member of God's family. In the garden, Judas stood with the enemy, not with Jesus and his friends. Ooh. 
Remember we talked about how when Judas left that Jesus thing got to work. Remember when he was up in the temp, up in the, the last supper when yeah. he was having that? Yeah. Room. <clears throat> and he then called them friends right afterwards. Well, they're friends, but Judas is not. Judas is on the outside here. And when people today pretend to know and love Jesus, they are committing the same sin as Judas. Their betrayal is from the pit of hell. Ooh. And I think that there's a lot of people in church today that are saying that they follow Jesus, but they're not obedient to Jesus. They're not, they're portraying him with a kiss. And uh, they're not truly living a life of that is righteous and holy. Uh, we didn't say perfect we said pursuing a life of righteousness and holiness and that comes with knowing jesus intimately and his disciples were 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 thing we know that because peter picks up a sword and tries to kill a guy but we know that that's still happening but we also know that peter's also the one that completely was weeping and broken and repented of his sin after he did after he prayed god so there's a difference there's a difference in our walk with him and if we're portraying jesus by living a life that's Ache or contrary to what, where you just put the mask on, you're going to church. That's just like betraying like Judas. It's wow. from the pit of hell. What a picture. It is. Judas's kiss. Yeah. All right, let's get into 10. All right. Yeah. You, you were talking about Peter. So let's read verse, uh, read verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Isn't that cool? You yeah. got your name in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody else's name is listed there from from the group. I I don't have a doubt at all that Malchus is in heaven. I, yeah, why else would they? Yeah, I agree with you. There's I no mean, way. I guess you can't prove it, but there's we'll, no. We'll way. know one day. I I I happen to agree with you. Yeah. On that. Okay. All of Jesus's disciples have courageously affirmed their devotion to Jesus. Peter decided to prove it, so he quickly drew out <laughs> a small sword and started a fight. He certainly misunderstood what Jesus had said about the swords earlier that evening when we read about it in Luke 22, 33 through 38. And it said this, and he said to them, Jesus speaking, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it and likewise a knapsack and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that the scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for what is written about me has its, has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. So, I mean, again, Jesus is telling them that we don't battle in in the flesh. So when we surrender our lives to the Lord, we are transformed by the renewing of a mind. Second Corinthians 5.17, old things are now passed away. Behold, now all things are made new. We are now spirit beings. <clears throat> we are now grafted in. When we, when we leave our body, we are then transferred into heaven immediately by the twinkling of the eye. So we become divine, right? So we do not operate in the, in the flesh. The flesh uses swords. The flesh chooses to operate in control. The spirit chooses to operate in losing control and surrendering our lives over to Jesus. It's a completely different mindset. So Jesus is teaching his disciples there in Luke. That's what he's saying. So now he's probably looking at Peter and says, listen, did you not hear anything that I've been telling you for the last three years? Yeah, you said by a sword. We trust the Father. We surrender our lives to the Father. We worship the Father. The Father is the one that's in control. We do not take control over anything. 
If you want to move a man, you don't move a man physically. You move a man on your knees spiritually. You move him in prayer. If you want anything to be changed in your life, if you do it on your own accord, in your own effort, it's going to be fleeting eventually. There's going to be some sort of fall. Something's going to happen down the line. But if you're not doing it and you're surrendering and waiting on the Lord and allowing God do it, what will transform from that will be supernatural. It will never be messed up. God's word, God's truth, God's way is always perfect. Everything we do is always imperfect and there will always be found wanting, but not in Jesus. So he warned them that from now on, the situation would change and men and women would now treat them as transgressors. He was not suggesting that they use material swords to fight spiritual battles, but that they get a new mindset and expect opposition and danger everywhere. He had provided for them and protected them while they that while he was with them on the earth. Now he is returning to the Father, and they would now have to learn how to depend upon the Holy Spirit and exercise godly wisdom. Peter took his sword, his words literally, and declared war in the physical, but didn't realize it was a spiritual battle all along. Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We have to get this in their head. If you are a born-again Christian, follower of Jesus, you are in a spiritual battle. There is an opposition that wants to destroy you and defeat you. You cannot defeat it in the physical. You can only defeat it in the spiritual. And we have to surrender and trust the Lord. That's you, what Jesus is You know why I think here. this is so hard for me and for other people to, to grasp? It's because we, we see ourselves as physical beings with a spirit, but we're not. We're spiritual beings that happen to have a physical body. Exactly until right. We, until that clicks in our minds, you're never going to get it. I mean, Jesus said, right, we, looked, we read last week, John 17, we're not of this world. When you're a surrendered Lord, you are in the world, but not of the world. We are then changed by the renewing of our mind. We're different. So good. All right, Peter's word symbol, Peter's sword symbolizes rebellion against the will of God. Peter should have known that Jesus would be arrested and that he would willingly surrender to his enemies. He told them as much in Matthew 16, in chapter 17, and again in, in chapter 20, verses 17. Over and over again, he's telling them this. But so Peter should have got it, but he did. But don't be too hard on Peter. It's like we, we wouldn't have got it either. No, I mean, but how many times does someone have to remind us certain things? I, it happens. And how many times do we remind our kids? I mean, let's just be honest all yeah. the time, over and over and over and over. How many times do I have to tell you that? How many times do I have to tell you that? So if this is the same thing. They, they heard Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to die and raise again on the third day. They heard that, hey, we need to, you know, surrender to the Father and trust the Father. They, they heard this message so many times. They just didn't grasp it yet. But remember what Jesus told Peter? He says, but one day, remember when he was a swift, you like weed or fire or whatever, but remember all that soul thing, but one day you're going to get it. That's kind of the same thing with us a little bit. Sometimes it takes us a little bit of time to get things. You know what just struck me? Hmm. It's like we're hard on them sometimes. The devil didn't get it either. No. The devil oh, thought yeah. he was being victorious yep. and he was signing his own death warrant. Yep. <laughs> I mean, let's just face it. Peter, like ourselves, make every, made every mistake possible. He fought the wrong enemy. He used the wrong <laughs> weapon. He had the wrong motive and he accomplished the wrong result. He was openly resisting the will of God and hindering the work that Jesus came to accomplish. <laughs> but besides that, he did everything right. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, it's like, it's like when we, when our flesh is raging, 
when we're controlling it, when we're not on our knees in prayer, I mean, let's just face it. We pray, but we pray with the, sometimes with the attitude that this is what I want, God, this is what we're going to do. I'm praying, but blah, 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 and we go, we don't pray emptied. We don't pray completely broken and contrite. And we need to get there and surrender and be still and just be blank. Stop allowing your brain to capture those thoughts, capture negativity, capture controlling thoughts, and just worship Jesus and allow him the authority in your life. Allow him to take control of the next steps. And just, that's it. Peter didn't get it. He got it later. (laughs) He figured it out because Pentecost is a big deal. He's like, I can't do this on my own, but Jesus can. He got it. But it takes time sometimes. That's the good news. He didn't have to wait too long. Yep. So why do you think, and I kind of talked about this a little bit already, but so why do you think Peter failed so miserably? Well, for one thing, he had argued with Jesus when he warned him that he would deny him three times that very night. I mean, that was the first thing. I mean, he's like, Lord, they're out there. Don't I'm argue with do Jesus. Yeah. yeah, don't argue with Jesus. <laughs> all right. The second one was Peter had slept when he should have been praying and he talked when he should have been listening. And so how many times that we're going through trials and tribulations or things are happening and instead of spending time with God, we're doing something else. And God is telling us, no, I want you to spend time with me. I want you to listen and spend time with me. I want you to deny your flesh right now, pick up your cross, come follow me, come sit at my presence and listen to me. That's the second thing he was doing wrong. He was basically imitating the very enemies who came to arrest Jesus, for they too were armed with swords. Peter, however, would come to understand that the sword of the Spirit is the weapon God's servants use in fighting their spiritual battle, Ephesians 6.12. Mm. We know this because he used the sword at Pentecost and slayed 3,000 souls. So that was when, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Peter eventually got it. It, The light bulb went off when the Spirit of God came raging. And and again, the Spirit, Holy Spirit's responsibility is to remind us of all things Jesus. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is to strengthen us, is to encourage us, and is to help us have the power and the authority that we need over the evil and the darkness. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. It's, it's not by my bite, it's nor by my power, but by the Spirit, the Bible says. So we know that because of what Jesus did, because of his suffering, because of all this stuff, that we now have that, the, the ability to have victory like Peter did and like others. Peter was just still figuring all that out. Right. Right. But once we figure it out, dude, we're, we're changed. We're different people. We're living with authority. We're, we're, we're a lion and a lamb. We have the confidence of Christ and, and we live a life of boldness, but we also are a lamb because we come humbly and surrendered before the Lord. And so we, we, we're different. We're transformed. We're two people, but we're the same. We don't fear people any longer. Don't, we don't fear the, the world circumstances. We don't fear the chaos that's happening around us. We have inner peace. We have joy because we're no longer living for our own self. We're no longer going to vacation to please our flesh. We're going because we want to fulfill God's purpose. We have a duty. We have a job. Byproduct of that, blessed exceedingly abundantly more than we possibly think. So much to learn in this. Yeah. Well, let's close with this. If Jesus had the power to stun an armed mob and heal a severed ear, he could have easily saved himself from arrest, trial, and death. But he willingly submitted, and he did it for us. It is sad when ignorant Christians pick up a sword to defend Jesus. Peter hurt the testimony of Jesus by doing this and gave a false impression that Jesus' disciples hated their enemies. It's so many times I, I feel people trying to defend 
the Bible or defend Jesus. We don't need to do that. The, the, the word of God defends itself. Jesus is truth. We don't have to defend him, but we do need to be obedient and live for him and live a surrendered life unto him. Um, he, because of what he did, is king of kings, right? He is the king of all kings. He is a lord of all lords. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is everything. And in him, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So everything, all, all of this happens because of Jesus. Now, anytime that we try to manipulate, distort, control, um, anytime that we put the weight or the burden, pressure on ourselves to fix the problem, to, to control the outcome, um, those are the times that it's going to be found wanting. It's, there's no power in it. Actually, we're hurting God's perfect. We're, we're actually hindering uh, what he's doing. But when we look at a situation and we say, God, I have no idea what to do. I surrender this to you now. I want to worship you. I'm going to pray. I want to spend time with you. And then Jesus in a still small voice will speak to you and say, hey, this is what I ask you to do. I want you to pray for so-and-so. And I want you to go and I want you to wash their feet. I want you to go serve them. I want you to go bless this person. I want you to um, stay put. I want you to just wait. I want you to be still and watch what I do. He's going to tell you something that's something like that. It's, it's, it's not going to be like, I want you to take by force this person. I want you to tell this person off. I want you to go and you know, share your, your two cents to this person. He's never going to do that. He's going to tell you to humble yourself. He's going to tell you to elevate others. He's going to tell you to remove yourself and, and to wait and be still upon him. He's going to tell you to worship and he's going to tell you to be filled with his love. And just know that that's what he's going to tell you. And if you don't have that and you're trying to control it and you're angry and you're bitter, you're not walking with it. You're just not. You know, when people always say, well, Jesus was angry when he turned over the, to all the things. Well, Jesus had a righteous anger and he was perfect and holy. Are you perfect and holy? Could you do that without sinning? I don't think so. I think, I don't think I could. I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to side on the, on the side of, I'm not going to try to figure this out. <laughs> I'm just going to let God do it. Because if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be him. And I trust his way more than mine. And he could easily turn over the table without my effort. So anyway, that's just my thought on that. But if you're listening to this and you've never given your life to the Lord, today's the day. I mean, just Jesus is telling you just all you need to do is just repent of your sins. You just need to come before him and just say, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for choosing to do things my way. I repent. I turn from my wicked ways. I want to, I desire today to seek your face. I desire today to worship and make you my God. I want to accept you into my heart as my Lord and personal Savior. I believe today that you, that you died and rose again on the third day, and you did it so that I could have eternal life with you for all eternity. I believe in your word that I no longer have to live unto myself, but I can live to bring you glory. I can live and trust you with all things in my life. And, and I believe in that. And, that's, and, and just say that honestly in your heart, in a repentive way, and, and just cry out to him. 
And then the next step is, is reach out to somebody and let them know that you've given your life to the Lord. Let us know. I mean, reach out to the riotpodcast.com or find us on the social media, the riot podcast and, and tell us and let us know that you've given your life to the Lord because the Bible says that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing to those that have given their life to the Lord. And that's just all the angels are rejoicing. They're having a party in your name. The Bible also tells us that if we deny Christ before man, he too would deny us before for God in heaven. But if we, if we confess him before man, that he too will confess us before God in heaven. And I pray that today that you would confess him as your Lord and Savior and go share. But Lord, Bob, we would love to hear from people. What, what could they do to get in contact with That's us? great, Pete. Yeah, lots of ways you can reach out to us. You can check out our social media sites at The Riot Podcast. You can comment, like there, and uh, we'll reach out to you. And, and we just love to hear it. But you can also go to our website. Tons of resources there. In fact, we have a tab that just it says No God. And uh, it's got a bunch of information there for you. I think it'll help walk you through your path and reach out to us. And we would just, I mean, there's a contact us button. We would love to hear from you. Hear uh, about your decision. Hear where you're listening to us from. And uh, man, it's just, uh, this. I knew this was going to be a good show, Pete. Uh, this is just an amazing, you know how much I love the book of John. Yeah. And, you know, as we're just keep traveling through it, it's just been, uh, it's just been an amazing blessing. So stay tuned next week. We will continue and finish up chapter 18. No, we'll no? Just, we're going to go to the 27th. Oh, so yeah, we we still have one more after that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to continue on in chapter 18. Yeah. So, man, I tried to get him a tease to get him to come back for the rest of it. Well, but... it's still it's powerful because I think next week's show, it's called <laughs> Do We Yield the Sword or the Cup? It's a powerful Ooh, show. Another yeah. C.S. Lewis novel. Yeah, it's a powerful show. Awesome. Guys, we'll have an amazing week of worship. Remember, if you have any tips for Alaska, shoot them out to me on Facebook. I'd love to hear about it. All right. Be blessed. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.